Hello and welcome to a Carpon special. It's not every day that you get to meet a global superstar, so I delayed my lunch and date with Neymar Jr. in order to speak to James Pierce, the one and only from the Liverpool Echo. I was actually absolutely delighted that he was uh, able to join me in conversation, and I'm 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 even more delighted if that's even possible that you're listening. You are the sp- special one in the Carpon world, you the listener. Please share this uh, podcast if you like, tell your tell your, your, your aunties and your uncles and your cousins and your dog trainers about Carpon and uh, if you would like to uh, support us it's patreon.com forward slash Carpon podcast for as little as one measly US dollar per month. Uh, so here we are, here's James Pierce. Uh, speaking with me um, earlier today. Uh, enjoy. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, that's the, fir- that's the first place to start. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on Cop On Podcast. It's absolute thrill. Absolute thrill for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm here with James Pierce. And uh, my first question for you, uh, James, really, is just how much fun are you having this season following the Reds around and, you know, interviewing the, the manager and the players and being really part of this amazing season? Yeah, it's been absolutely thrilling, hasn't it? I think from from right right from the get-go, really, um, you know, Liverpool getting off to a, a decent start and you, you kind of wondered... Would they be able to sustain it? You know, would would uh, would would there be some uh, some you know things in their path along the way? But you know, they've been remarkably consistent and uh, just been exciting. I mean, I've been I've been lucky enough to be the Echo's uh, main Liverpool reporter now for for just over eight years, and and you know, one of the one of the big disappointments during that period has been the lack of trophies. I think you know the only the only one since I took over was. Uh, the League Cup, of course, in, in 2012, and there's been so many near misses. And then, you know, you look at this team now and the way that Klopp has, has tweaked things. And I think you know, we've seen the change of approach from him this season, which maybe hasn't made Liverpool quite as pleasing on the eye at times or quite as exhilarating as an attacking force. But in terms of churning out results, they, they've been so much more effective. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a bit of a strange feeling at the moment. I kind of sense it around fans in the city as well it's you know because Liverpool statistically are enjoying one of the greatest seasons in their entire history yet you know in, in it pretty much any other season we'd be talking about a Liverpool team that had a comfortable cushion at the top um, but you know the uh, the opposition is so so strong in Manchester City and just a you know a mouth-watering couple of months ahead with Liverpool banging this Premier League title race and, and going for Champions League glory as well and with, with the international break coming as it is I think I think probably everyone maybe needed a little breather just to relieve the stress levels for a little bit because um, you know when Tottenham come to town uh, a week on Sunday um, you know it, it's going to be absolutely flat out from from then to the end of the season yeah absolutely yeah I mean it is it is bizarre to be to be sort of second and you know when I saw Andrew Beasley uh, posted that you know Liverpool would have uh, won the 96-97 Premier League with the amount of points we've got already so I mean it's a it is incredible I mean we have to put everything into context don't we and Manchester City they are magnificent really you know they're in a magnificent team so to be anywhere close to them 
is uh, is is just a fabulous job. But uh, okay, uh, talking about you personally, I mean, how did you first get into football? If you can, you know, take that walk down memory lane. Yeah, I mean, t- to be honest, like I, I I grew up. I'm sure people can probably tell from my accent. I'm not not from Liverpool originally. Um, I grew up in a place called Bath in the uh, in the southwest of England. Family were from Liverpool, and uh, I think I, I must have been five or six. Um, she gave me a, a scarf for my, my birthday, and I was I was you know loving football anyway by that point. To be honest, but that was I just thought right, well this 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 is my team from from now on. Um, and uh, you know I remember vividly watching the the '84 European Cup final in Rome with my with my dad on TV and being uh, amazed by Bruce Grobbelar's spaghetti legs and, uh, yeah. and all the rest of it. Um, and then yeah, it just it just went from there really. Um, I mean obviously growing up I was born in 77 so you know they as a as a kid you know those were you know when you when you absolutely love your football as a kid and you decided that Liverpool's your team they were the absolute glory days when you you know you know I was what would I have been kind of nine nine years old when uh, when Liverpool did the double and um it's funny really because obviously you know you you just got so used to that kind of cycle of success you just kind of, uh, you know, I think you kind of assume that it will just, it will just continue. And um, yeah, it was, it was 1990 uh, when I first went to Anfield and uh, the, I uh, managed to basically, my, my repeated bullions and my dad finally convinced him to, to get his old white van out and, uh, and drive us up to Anfield. And we went, went to watch Liverpool play Chelsea. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember him, buy me a scarf outside the ground that, that had 18 times champions of England on it and uh, I remember having a, a bit of a moan on the way back thinking oh you know this will be out of, this will be out of date in a few months time I can't believe <laughs> uh, and uh, you know I'm, he obviously what was it nearly 29 years 29 <laughs> years on unfortunately it's not still not out of date but um, I'm, I've still I've still got that scarf and I've still got the rosette that says champions on it from 1990 and uh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm hoping that uh, I'll have to dig dig them out if the next couple of months go to plan. It's a, it's a great answer. It's it's just we've been we've been through so many different types of failures in the Premier League. We're sort of experts at it. But I think that will make our you know when we do when I'm going to say when we do win it, it's going to make it all the all the sweeter. The fact that we've had to wait for so long. Uh, yes, I mean, I used to, I, my first bank card was about 1993 or something like that. And I, and I, and I, and I changed the pin number to 1990, thinking I'll change, I'll change my pin number every time Liverpool wins the league to the last time we won it. And, uh, you know, I, in the end, I had to change my pin number because it was just too depressing. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, no, great. So yeah, you talked about, you know, following them since you know seeing them live since 1990 how does this liverpool team compare to all of the others that you've seen uh that's a good good question i think i mean they have they have to be right up there just based solely on you know you you look at the you know the the stats and the points tallies and you know i I think you have to go back to 87 88 for the the last liverpool team that accumulated league points on on this kind of basis i think um, I mean, there's been a few special teams in, in in my time following the club. I mean, I grew up kind of desperately hoping to emulate, you know, that class of you know Beardsley, Barnes, Aldridge, Rush. They were they they were my heroes, and you know that 87, 88 team. I think 
um, you know, widely regarded as one of the, the greatest Liverpool teams ever assembled dog leashes side. And um, I, th- I think there's been a few since then that have come close to it. I think, um, you know, one, one Liverpool team that I think is very underappreciated is probably Roy Evans's team in the kind of mid to late 90s who... You know, I think they're underappreciated because they, they never went, kicked on and won the biggest prizes. But 96 to 99, was they, they were my three years at university in Liverpool. And that, that was the first time in my life I was lucky enough to be going to every game. And they, they played an absolutely thrilling brand of attacking football. Um, you, know, you, you think of, you know, obviously, Owen was coming through then. You had Fowler, Redknapp, McManaman. Um, so that, you know, that was a... A great Liverpool team, um, you know, Julier's treble winners. I think you'd have to, they, they'd have to be in the equation. Maybe, maybe didn't play the most sparkling brand of attacking football, but um, very, very effective. Um, and then Benitez, I think, I think probably his best team was 08, 09, and you know the, the spine of that team was so, so strong. You know, Reina, Carragher, Gerrard, Alonso, Mascherano, Torres, um, and then. You know, the, the Rogers team, I know, you know, I think, again, similar to the Evans team, because because that Rogers team never got over the line and never won something big. I think, you know, I think there's a bit of rewriting the history that goes on in terms of dismissing that as a one man band with Suarez. But I think I think that doesn't do justice to just how good that season was in 2013-14. And um, there was a lot more to that Liverpool team than Suarez. You know, Sturridge had the best season of his life. Gerard, you know, absolutely reinvented as a as a holding midfielder, and he was so so influential. And of course, you had Raheem Sterling bursting onto the scene as well. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you know, certainly this this Liverpool team they want to be classed alongside that class of eighty seven, eighty eight. Then they have to do those other teams: the Benitez team, the Julio team, the Evans team, the Rogers team. wasn't able to do, and that is you know, win win something big. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. So many, so many different teams and fond memories, nonetheless, despite having never won the Premier League. But I would put them up there with with anything. I think this team is is sensational. Um, talking about the 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 Liverpool echo, though, you say you started eight years ago. I mean, for me and for many Liverpool fans, you have the best job in the world. I mean, the number one job in journalism, anyway. How how did you land that gig? Um, well, I should say I've actually been on the Echo since 2005. I've been the, I've I kind of had to earn my stripes and work my way up the ranks. But um, so yeah, I actually I worked after university. I, I moved back down to Bath because I couldn't get a job up here at the time, and I worked for the local paper there for five years, and then always wanted to try and move back up. And so it was it was actually the month after Istanbul was uh, was when I started at the Echo, June 2005, and then. Um, Yes, just kind of spent the, the, those the kind of well the next kind of probably five and a half years kind of learning the ropes, working my way up. I was lucky enough to work with some some really talented journalists along the way. Um, Chris Bascombe was a Liverpool reporter when I started at the Echo. Um, Tony Barrett took over from him, and then Dominic King after him. Of course, the three of those all went on to to work for national papers, and now Tony Barrett works for the club itself. Um, and then it was um, yeah February February 2011 when um, the Echo were looking for a Liverpool reporter again, and um, I'd I'd almost given up hope to be honest because I'd I'd gone for it a couple of times previously and, and not got it, and 
I, I, I thought maybe it's, it's just not meant to be. Um, but uh, I think they, they actually got sick of saying no to me, so they gave me a chance. And um, so I've been yeah doing it ever since. And yeah, it's a very I'm very very lucky to to do it because you know essentially wherever Liverpool go in the world, I I follow them round. So um, although although it hasn't been exactly laced with with trophies during the the past eight years, it's still been you know an absolutely fascinating journey and being lucky enough to be pretty close to it as well and close to people at various different parts of the club is you know is um it's you know it's it's just been you know a, a, you know an absolute privilege because uh, you know initially of course I was working with you know Kenny Dogley should come back as manager so someone who was my absolute hero growing up as a kid you know that that was very surreal suddenly finding yourself in a position where you're going down to Melwood a couple of times a week to see him. Um, and then you, obviously you know, a bit of a false dawn there with you know, things not quite working out as everyone hoped. And um, and then you had, you know, obviously Brendan Rodgers coming in and, you know, an initial, it was a bit, initially it was a bit of a struggle for him, but then, you know, this amazing transformation that so nearly led to the, the league title. Then you had, you know, the kind of, things nose diving on the back of that disappointment and losing Suarez and and then what is it now what, three and a half years of Jurgen Klopp and you know, being able to have watching on very closely as he has has led this remarkable revival of the club and uh, so yeah it is a I'm a I'm a I'm a lucky lucky man to have have this job and it's not like anything it's it's never as as perfect or as sparkling as people would think, you know, you, you, um, you know, you're at the mercy of a, of a giant football club in terms of trying to get access. And that becomes more and more difficult with every passing season and every passing month. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's still a great job to have. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm sure, you know, there are other disadvantages people don't realise, like, uh, I don't know, the amount of time you spend in airports and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, I did. I did think once I might. I should actually keep a tally of how many like hours are wasted. Uh, yeah, the uh, yeah delayed flights, sat in airports, and stood around in mix zone areas, which is obviously where you stand around for players after games, and and obviously you're at the mercy of whether they want to stop and give you a couple of minutes or not. And um, so sometimes <laughs> you can be stood there, stood there twiddling your thumbs for an hour, hour and a half, or whatever. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably one of the you know, the, and then doing the youth cup ties on a on a cold, wet Tuesday night in Berry. Um, <laughs> there's, there's not much not much glamour attached to those bits of the job, but um, it's uh, it's all part of it, and uh, it things like that make you appreciate the uh, the good stuff. Excellent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Of course. I mean, nothing's perfect in this world. But, uh, you know, for those for those hours that you're, you're spending waiting around, I, I recommend Cop On podcast. Um, but anyway, uh, um, if, uh, speaking of you know, staying with journalists, just just uh, another another question I was I was I was intrigued to ask you about was, um, you know, because you, you generally got a really good reputation with Liverpool FC fans worldwide as, you know, someone with, you know, the integrity not to not to publish bullshit for want of a better word um i wonder what, what your opinion is of what makes a good journalist and what sort of journalistic principles do you try to adhere to yeah i think it's a good question i think um i think re- reputation is is very very important and i think it's, it's it's probably become more of a challenge i'd say in in recent years with 
the the switch in journalism from away from being print focused to being digitally focused and you know every newspaper and website now where uh, you're almost you're judged on you know the hits that are generated and and targets and all that kind of thing and um you know and it's easy to get wrapped up in that but i think the most important thing to me is 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 the is you know but people say what 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 gives me the most satisfaction is if someone says you know if, if it's in the echo then they they believe it's true and and i think that is that's incredibly important to me that you know you you never ever write something unless unless you're you know you've had it double sourced and you're you're 100% sure it's true um you know sometimes you can be under pressure to write stories and you know, if there's a certain rumor doing the rounds, you know, and you, and, and of course, you know, there's there's pressure to like, well, this, you know, this would do this would do brilliantly online if we wrote this, and you're like, well, hang on a minute, let's take a step back, let's actually make a few calls and and actually find out whether there's a a grain of truth in it or not, and um, and obviously that you know that that leads to a lot, a lot of abuse on social media at times because of course when the when there's some juicy rumor doing the rounds, p- people want to believe it, they don't. They don't necessarily want to want to be told that it's it's a piece of fiction either by a journalist overseas or whatever with a very good imagination or <laughs> an agent desperately trying to push their client into into the newspapers. Um, so, yeah, I think you know those, those those principles are still just as important as ever, because um, you know, there's a there's a there's a huge amount of absolute rubbish especially online these days in terms of you know the way that the rumors get just replicated and and regurgitated and you know to the point where you know and especially with social media i guess as well because even maybe going back five certainly 10 years ago those rumors would would at least have to have started off in some tabloid newspaper or um or you know or an overseas publication but now a lot of those rumors are purely social media based that then you know get repeated that almost take on a a life of their own to the point where people think well it must be true um so yeah i think you know that that kind of the kind of integrity and and of 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 actually taking the time to check everything out and and try and be as um you know just trying to be honest i think about about things and i think people still you know they they appreciate that you don't want to be hoodwinked into into reading something just that's not true i mean it doesn't it doesn't mean that i'm able to get everything right because things things change quickly and in football and you know there's been a a number of times when you know people will throw back at me something i wrote a year two years three years earlier or something can say ah but yeah you said this and then this happened and that's just a fact of life unfortunately you can't you don't. I don't have a crystal ball. You can only, you know, speak to people around the club about certain things and and write it to the best of your knowledge based on on that information. But um, yeah, I st- I still think you know, despite the modern day pressures of of having to to write so many more stories, I think I think that's one of the other things that the jobs changed a lot is you know going back probably four or five years, my my, my day would have revolved around. Well, how many pages do we have to fill in tomorrow's paper? Um, if it's two or three, then okay, great, do that. Then your day is over. Now it's all about having what we call news stories for different web spikes, which is essentially, um, you know, a new piece of content for 
that, that can get uploaded for six or seven in the morning, another piece for 10 or 11, another piece for lunchtime, another piece for mid to late afternoon, and then a, a piece for early evening. And sometimes you'll have an embargoed piece for, for 10.30. Um, wow. So that's, you know, that, not, not all of that is done by me because we've got a team of writers now um, who all contribute. And, and not all of those things need to be necessarily a war and peace style written piece. Sometimes they can be, you know, like a, a quotes led piece from, a, you know, there might only be a couple of hundred words or it could be a podcast that we record quite regularly. And so all, all those kind of things. But um, but yeah, the, the job, the job's changed a lot. But I still think, you know, in, in, if you if you want to you know, hopefully have some kind of um you know, respect and profile and stuff, then then the principles are still exactly the same in terms of uh, in terms of sticking to your guns and not and not going chasing cheap hits and and actually t- t- giving people informed opinion rather than than just kind of you know rattling rattling something out off off the top of your head. It's always best still to to go away, speak to the right people, and and hopefully then you you write in from a a position of, of knowledge yeah that's an excellent answer yeah and you're 100 percent right that's what people want isn't it we want the truth we don't need these kind of wild fantasies from some sociopath in kentucky uh but anyway um <laughs> you are yes you do have a you do tend to have a reputation as, as a crusher of dreams with some of your tweets i'm, I'm afraid james but, uh, but uh, uh, you know, regarding the transfers, I'm sorry to badger you about them in this conversation. But, you know, I'll give you some names. Delict, Timo Werner, Paolo Dybala, uh, Phil Coutinho. Any truth to any of these? Um, no, I, not that I'm aware of, to be honest. I mean, dealing with a few of those. Um, Dybala, I think you can definitely rule out. Um, I, know, I know that one came up last summer. Um, and I think it even reached a point where it was like, I think, there was, I, don't know, I think it was stories in Italy saying Liverpool had actually bid 80 odd million or something for him. It was, um, no, it's, I, I don't, I think, I, I think that is agent talk. Um, I wouldn't, I would be absolutely amazed if, uh, if Liverpool went, went in for him. Um, delete, I think, um, of course, Liverpool like him. I think every, every top European club, would uh, would want him, but um, I'm I'm certainly not aware of Liverpool planning some massive big money bid for him. Um, Timo Werner again, um, there was interest, but it's it's never reached a point where they were they were in negotiations, as far as I'm aware. Um, and you know, I think I think Liverpool expect him to to, to join Bayern Munich. So unless unless there's you know, of course things can change and there can be uh, U-turns and developments, but um, you know I'm 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 not expecting that one to to suddenly happen. And then Coutinho, I think I think the the big issue with Coutinho is that you know would would how much of a hit would Bayern uh, sorry Bayern Barcelona be willing to take? Um, and I don't think they'd be willing to take anywhere near the kind of hit that it would take for Liverpool to even think about whether whether it would be worth their while. I, I don't, I don't get the feeling from Liverpool that there's any bad blood there in terms of, you know, when he went, um, you know, I think they all, it was all pretty amicable. You know, I think Liverpool felt that 
do you know what? He doesn't want to be here anymore. You know, we, we've set our price. Barcelona have met it. You know, good luck to him, whatever. So I don't, I don't think there's any bad blood there, but I still think it's highly unlikely that he'll come back unless the, the figure dropped to a point where suddenly um, it, it made financial sense to Liverpool. I, I don't, you know, what do they do? Sell him for 142 million if you include all the add-ons. You know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't see a situation where Liverpool are suddenly going to be offering a hundred million to to take him back or anything like that. You know, uh, so no, I think it's interesting because I know I, I did a piece last week, I think it was, when Klopp he, he kind of said, you know, that there definitely won't be spending this summer on the scale of last summer. You know, Liverpool spent 170 million last summer on the back of spending what was it, 75 million for Van Dijk in the in the January. And um, I know there was a fair bit of scepticism in terms of the replies to that on my Twitter feed, people saying, we know he would say that and, you know, it's rubbish. Of course, we're going to break the bank. And But I, I, I think that is genuine. You know, speaking to other people at the club, I think there is a sense that the squad that Klopp's got now, yeah, of course, there'll be a few holes to be filled. Um, there'll be a few players moving on this summer. Um, so that you know, it's not like they're they're not going to be inactive in the transfer market, but I, I don't think we're going to see kind of you know three or four signings of fifty million plus or anything anything getting close to that because I think there's a there's a sense that, that you know the club have spent an absolute fortune on contract renewals for pretty much every key player over the past twelve months, and especially with the age of those players, most of them. Um, you know, well, they took 26, 27 coming into their prime. That there's a feeling that this, this, this team is the team that will take Liverpool forward over the next few years, and um, it, it's just you know p- pretty much around the edges of the squad that that it needs strengthening come the summer. Um, well, thank you for that. I mean, so it's 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 an excellent answer. And about those long contracts, um. Uh, do you think they mean them? Because, you know, I'm lucky enough to sometimes speak to, to professional footballers as well. And, you know, I do get the impression that, you know, if, for example, the, the worst happens, Liverpool don't win anything this season. Um, you know, is it possible that I mean, we've had rumours of Mane to Real Madrid and these kind of things that scare the life out of me? In terms of outgoings, are we likely to sell any of our best players? No, I, I can't see it. I mean, I think, again, you know, cr- crazy things can happen in football that, you know, they can, can completely catch you unawares. But um, I, I'd be absolutely amazed if if we saw any anyone you know coming close to a, a star man leaving leaving Liverpool this summer I think you know the the two things that that elite players want most from football is what one is is success and and, and the other is money and I think that Liverpool now are offering the kind of contracts and the kind of top wages that that elite players will you know there's very very few clubs in the world now who would be able to who would be offering more money and you know and Liverpool you know of course we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months but Liverpool are there you know in banging contention for the two biggest prizes in club football with the Premier League and the Champions League so I think I think there's a lot less reason for for star men to even look look elsewhere for a potential challenge than there was say 
from, you know, obviously with people like Alonso and, and Mascherano wanting to move on and um, and Torres and, and obviously Suarez. Um, but so you know, I, I don't I don't honestly see that as being a, a massive issue. I think but I know I know what people people will say, well, you know, contracts in modern football aren't really worth the paper they're written on because you know, what was Coutinho signed a new contract, hadn't he, not long before he went. I think Suarez was in a similar situation. But I, I think I think the difference is now that, you know, if you take the front three probably as the best examples, you know, Mane, Salah and Firmino, you know, that you know, how much how much would they their value now is you know, you you you're talking about hundred and fifty million pound, I think, probably for any of them. And, you know, to and then, then you've also got the situation this summer where Barcelona are completely out of the running anyway because of that, um, you know, the, the 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 detail that Michael Edwards put into in, into the, the contract for for Coutinho that um, I think it's a, I think it's a hundred million euros premium on top of any any valuation if they wanted to come back in for any Liverpool player before the summer of 2020. Um, you know, I know that I know that leaves Real Madrid, but I just I just don't see it. I just don't. I don't see there being that kind of summer-long saga that that we become probably wearily accustomed to as Liverpool fans over the last 10, 15 years. I, I think Liverpool are in a position now. I, me- I remember not long after Klopp took over, he doing an interview with him where he talked about wanting to make Liverpool a, a final destination for talent rather than a stepping stone and. And I think I think finally now he's in a position where that where that kind of uh, that dream is a reality. Yeah, well, that's an excellent answer. That's reassuring, and I and I hope you're right. I really do, of course. Um, we've got to wrap it up now, but I just have one final question, very very quickly. Um, no one apart from Biff from Back to the Future has ever been able to predict sports results correctly. Uh, but what does your mind or your heart or your gut say? Are we going to win the league this season, or the Champions League, or neither, or both? Oh God! Do you know what? If if only I knew. Um, uh, I, do you know what? The my my well, obviously, I think I think like most Liverpool fans, I I I, my, I desperately, I, you know, out, out of the two, it has to be the Premier League. I think um, you know, that's the one we've been waiting so so long for. I, do you know what I? I know that there was a fair bit of gloom around on social media on the back of, you know, the the stumble Liverpool had in the early months of this year. But I, I still think they're in a fantastic position in, in this title race. I, I know it's not in their hands anymore, and that and that City are a very special team. But I just I just look at City's uh, schedule in April, and th- there's that two week period where they've got you know they've got Tottenham three times. It, you know, in between those games, they've got a trip to Palace, which you know it's never, never easy. That they've also obviously got the Manchester derby, which is their game in hand. They, they've also then, I think, at the back end of that month, Burnley away, who are absolutely you know right in a relegation dogfight. I, I just don't see City. I don't, I don't care how deep their squad is. I just don't see them being able to get through that period, not dropping points in the Premier League. So, I, basically, I think. If Liverpool win their games, they will be champions. I, I, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if, if because obviously the nightmare scenario is Liverpool. I think if they win all their games, they end up with 97 points, 
and there's a possibility that ninety they could get ninety seven points and not be crowned champions. But you know, which which would be just utterly utterly ridiculous. But I just don't see that that happening. I think if Liverpool take care of their own business, they will be champions. Um, Champions League wise, I mean, it's I don't think it's just so so difficult to to call. I think there's no doubt Liverpool got the absolute dream draw, despite despite Jurgen Klopp's kind of public uh, claims to the contrary. But you know, it, there would have been some fist pumping, I think, behind the scenes at Melwood when he got Porto in that draw compared to what he could have done. So, you know, that suddenly you'd expect Liverpool to be in another Champions League semi. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, I'd, I'd absolutely love it if it was Barcelona and we have that reunion with Coutinho and Suarez. And, and then you, you just never know. Liverpool are more than capable of beating them over 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 two legs. And then, you know, what, you know then suddenly you're looking forward to a, a trip to Madrid on the 1st of June. So, um I think I think my head tells me that Liverpool will win one out of the two. Um and if, you know, if I was having to, I would I I I I I definitely hope if I if it's if it if it's a choice between the two I'd go for the Premier League title but do you know what if City somehow come through that April that they've got unscathed and hold their nerve and whatever Liverpool do is in vain then um Lifting, lifting the, a sixth European Cup in Madrid on the first of June would, would wouldn't be a bad consolation prize. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Yeah, we've got it all to look forward to at this stage, haven't we? Uh, thank you so much, James Pierce. It's absolutely been absolutely pleasure, total joy to speak to you. And uh, thank you so much for your views. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Have a have a have a good day. You've got the week off, right? <laughs> I have. Yeah. Yeah. No. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah. I've t- decided to. Uh, I don't. I don't have to cover the the NED internationals over this period. So, uh, so yeah, taking a bit of time off and uh, yeah, in, enjoying a bit of a break before the uh, well, what's going to be a, a a very intensive but immensely exciting run into the season. Ooh, it's hugely exciting, isn't it? Thank you so so much to James Pierce. There, he's right. It's exciting. I'm as excited as a baby penguin just before one of its parents vomits in its mouth it's lunch you can't get much more excited than that uh, thank you so much for listening of course too you can uh, contact us via email um, coponpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at coponpodcast thank you very much we'll be back soon uh, hopefully with another special uh, and then a preview of the Tottenham match Ooh, can't wait